Thank you so much for joining us for this week's message from Real Life Community, where we talk about connecting with God and others, growing in Christ-likeness, and sharing God's life with the world. My name is Sarah Comer, and I serve each week as Connections Pastor, making sure that you know that there is a God and a community that loves you and wants to go through the seasons of life with you. You can find us at reallifecommunity.org, and we would love to meet you on Facebook or Instagram. Until then, we hope this message meets you right where you are and helps you know just how deep the Father's love is for you. I love seeing our kids come in here and parade in with their offerings. It just blesses my heart. I can't, I, I can't say anything else about it. You know, it's not just the kids who are child of, a child of God, though. You and I, we're a child of God. No matter what our age is, no matter whether we feel like a child or not, we're all a child of God. We forgot to announce something. Last night, ladies had a great ladies' night here. If you didn't see it, you can see pictures of it online. There's some great pictures. We were looking pretty fabulous last night here. Um, But our men are getting ready to have an event here coming up in October. We are. We are going to have the uh, cornhole, first ever real-life cornhole tournament. We called it the corny hole tournament because we didn't have a better name. So we are putting the uh, feelers out there. If anyone wants to come up with a better name than the men's corny hole tournament. I don't know if it's the tournament that's corny or if it's the men. Maybe a little bit of both. But uh, we would love to have you out. And the great thing about this tournament is you do not have to come with a partner. You will actually be uh, shuffled between partners, and the person with the most points at the end of the night wins. So it'll be a good time. Perfect time to invite some friends. Grab your Bibles, (laughs) if you would. Man, this is the last week of our journey through the Gospel of Mark. It's taken us a little while, but that's all right. Sometimes it's good just to settle in and saturate in Scripture. And uh, so this morning, we're going to wrap that up. But uh, we're going to be reading out of Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. So the word of the Lord this morning is this. Saturday evening, when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just as sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. The women were shocked. But an angel said, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you before he died. The women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered, and they said nothing to anyone because they were too afraid. This is the word of God for the people of God and the world, and we all say together, thank you, Jesus. Um, we stopped reading uh, Mark at that point because there's a little bit of debate as to, in some of your Bibles, you have two other sections, one that's called the shorter ending and one the longer ending. 
Um, I love this passage of Scripture because uh, I, lo- I love it when things aren't resolved. I like watching a good movie where it leaves you just like, oh, what do I do with that? And this is the nature of Mark's gospel right here. To, to end it with, um, they f- the women fled and said nothing to anyone because they were frightened um, is a whole lot better than just wrapping it up, and here's why. What God does in our life is not neat, and it can't be packaged. It's not something that uh, is all rosy colors, and it's not something that gets resolved like some of our sitcoms do by the end of of, of an episode. It is ongoing. And it begs us the question, what, what do we do with this? What do we do with a story that ends with women who are running off scared to death? I think maybe we can find ourselves in the midst of this passage. It was Friday night. The heavens had roared. The earth had shuddered. Curtains were torn. Some were testifying. (laughs) The unlikely candidates were. Others were afraid. Some weren't sure what was going on. And, And Jesus, well, by the end of the day on Friday, Jesus was dead. There was a flurry of activity for someone to take custody of the body to take him off the cross, to lay him in a tomb, all before the sun slipped over the horizon, marking the beginning of the Sabbath day. And people, well, some of them went to bed that night. Some of them couldn't sleep that night. Some of them paced the halls wondering what has just happened and what is going to happen. That was Friday. It it was Saturday. The roaring had turned to stillness. The sun rose on a new day. An eerie day it was. Maybe you have understood those days in your life when something momentous has happened in your life or something catastrophic has happened in your life and you wake up the next morning and you're like, what do I do with this? Maybe you've lost a loved one. Maybe you've lost a child. Maybe, just maybe, you know exactly what it means to wake up the next morning after a huge event unsure of what you're going to do about the next day. It was Saturday, and in the midst of the heaviness in the air, in the people going about some semblance of their day, Jesus was still dead. Jesus was lying in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. He was an important man who had volunteered his tomb. Little did he know that his tomb would become the scene of an event that would change all of history. His little piece of real estate, which was earmarked to house the darkness of death, was exactly that on Saturday. It was the home of death. Mark gives one verse to Saturday. Matthew gives five verses. Luke and John, they don't mention Saturday at all. I wish they had because I think there's something significant for us about Saturday. That in-between time. That in-between what was and what is yet to be, and we find ourselves there. And I think in some ways that's the church today. We know what church used to be. We're not quite sure what church is going to be, and we're trying to figure out just how to be church here today. You're trying to figure out how to, ga- how to engage with what this thing has always been for you. From our vantage point, we 
can all feel the weight of that day. Death has a certain weightiness, a heaviness that, that bends our shoulders over. It's a heaviness that we can't do much about except acknowledge it when it passes all too closely by. We are angry with it oftentimes. We are angry with it, but what does that really accomplish? Saturday was the day of Sabbath. It was a day of rest. People didn't work even though the previous day's events filled them with a, an odd sort of busyness. There was no rest this Sabbath. I'm not sure anyone was really paying that much attention. The religious leaders, they were off in the temple trying to figure out what to do about this curtain that just got ripped. How are we going to get that replaced? They were trying to figure out what to do because everything that they had been about was about protecting that which had been stored or housed behind this curtain, and now the curtain was ripped. And it was almost as though that that presence, that that thing behind the curtain was loose, and they weren't sure where it was, they weren't sure what it was up to, but they were nervous. They were trying to get the curtain back together so they could get back to separating the holy and the sacred and the secular. Some of those who were closest to Jesus went out to purchase burial spices that day so they could anoint Jesus' body. And here's my question for you. Why does Mark lead with that? I think he leads with that for this reason. Why would you go buy burial material if you believed that Jesus was not going to be there the next day? I think for these people that day, they maybe they were hoping he was going to be alive, but they were counting on and planning for the fact that he was going to be dead still. And it was Saturday. I mean, after all, Jesus was dead. You see, when we are faced with death, decay, and destruction in our life, it's hard for us to see anything other than that. It's hard for us to get our eyes beyond sickness when that's been the thing that has consumed us. It's hard for us to see anything other than the death, decay, and destruction because we see it all around us. And to see past that is challenging. But in the midst of death, decay, and destruction, in the midst of Jesus being dead, they were looking and hoping for something that would help them make sense of it all. Jesus was dead. Maybe that's your position in your life right now. You're not quite sure um, how Jesus is coming through. I mean, look around us. How can Jesus really be real? Maybe that's your position. Or maybe, just maybe, you recognize that you can't quite figure it out, but you know that you know that you know that Jesus has come through time and time again, and you are believing that in these moments, Jesus is going to continue coming through. But, but sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's really hard to see past the end of the darkness. But as one man said, Sunday is a coming. It's Friday. 
Jesus is praying. Peter's asleep. Judas is betraying. But Sunday's coming. It's Friday. Pilate's struggling. The council is conspiring. The crowd is vilifying. They don't even know that Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The disciples are running like sheep without a shepherd. Mary's crying. Peter is denying. But they don't know that Sundays are coming. It's Friday. The Romans beat my Jesus. They robe him in scar. They crown him with thorns. But they don't know that Sundays come. It's Friday. See Jesus walking to Calvary. His blood dripping. His body stumbling. And his spirit's burdened. But you see, it's only Friday. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The world's winning. People are sinning. And evil's grinning. It's Friday. The soldiers nailed my Savior's hands to the cross. They nailed my Savior's feet to the cross. And then they raised him up next to criminals. It's Friday. But let me tell you something. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The disciples are questioning what has happened to their king. And the Pharisees are celebrating that their scheming has been achieved. But they don't know. It's only Friday. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. He's hanging on the cross. Feeling forsaken by his father. Left alone and dying. Can nobody save him? Oh, it's Friday. But Sunday's coming. It's Friday, the earth trembles, the sky grows dark, my king yields his spirit. It's Friday, hope is lost, death has won, sin has conquered, and Satan's just a laughing. It's Friday. Jesus is buried. A soldier stands guard, and a rock is rolled into place. But it's Friday. It is only Friday. Sunday is a coming. Friday is not the end of the story. Saturday is not the end of the story. It was Sunday. We don't know exactly when it happened or how it happened. All that we know is that it happened. And we would like to know all the details because for some weird reason we think that that will make a lot of difference in our lives. But the reality is that Jesus was not there Sunday morning when his loved ones came 
to treat him, to treat his body, to prepare it for burial. It wasn't that Jesus kind of like was stolen and, and disappeared because Jesus showed up. And that is the good news of Mark's gospel. Jesus shows up over and over. Everything is always moving towards Sunday. So I don't matter. I don't care where you. I do care uh, where you think you are at and how far you may think you are from God. Sunday is always coming. Lazarus and how Lazarus was wrapped in grave clothes. And how when Jesus called him up, he said, unwrap him and let him be free. And we talked about Jesus, and he was wrapped in those grave clothes, right? He was, he was laid in that tomb in the grave clothes. He was covered a lot more than I am today, but I needed to be able to see you to talk to you. So here he, here he is. Jesus is wrapped. And then resurrection happens, and, and the women go to the tomb, and what do they find? They find nothing but his grave clothes where he lay. Nothing was left. Nothing held him in bondage any longer. The grave clothes that he had worn in the hours before his death are now laying in a pile because death doesn't hold him anymore. He is risen. He died so that you and I could have life. He died for you and he died for me. Do we deserve it? No way. Do we have to do anything to work off the right to have that freedom in him? No, it's a gift. The freedom of the grave clothes, my friends, it awaits you and it awaits me. It's a gift. In the midst of death and destruction and decay in our world today, it awaits especially in the midst of death and decay and destruction. How many of you right now look around you and you see death, decay, or destruction in some way? Come on, raise your hand. How many of you see it? Yeah, every one of you should have your hands like double in the air, feet in the air, because it's everywhere. The anger that people have towards each other right now, death, decay, and destruction. So, I get to thinking about this, and you know, at one point, my heart, it was bound by sin, right? That's the, that's the wrapping around my heart. My hands, um, they were bound by my desire to perform, my need to, th- my thought that I needed to do something in order for it to, to matter, for it to count, for it to be justified. My feet were bound. My head was bound by the lies and by the anxiety that threatens to eat me from the inside. But not today. Today, on this September Resurrection Sunday, right? Strange. We don't normally celebrate Resurrection Sunday in September. But I love that today I get to see your faces. It's not just Jeremy and I talking to a screen on Easter Sunday. We're here And it's our Resurrection Sunday. Today is a day, my friends, to take your grave clothes off. It's a day to lay those things down. Take them off your your feet. Right? Take them off and lay them down. What's holding those feet back? Take them off your hands and lay them down. Because you don't need them anymore. 
You don't have to be bound by them anymore. Jesus paid the price so that the things that hold your hands and your feet and your head can fall to the ground. This morning, I want you to prepare to lay those things down. In exchange for those rags, Jesus wants to give you hope and love and to clothe you in righteousness. We're going to play a song here in just a minute, and this is what I invite you to do. Some of you, I know, brought some things that represent your grave clothes. I'm going to invite you to bring your grave clothes and lay them at the altar this morning. Every one of you got a strip on the, ch- on the chair below you. If you didn't bring something, I would encourage you, during the song, write something down that represents your grave clothes. Maybe it's not something that's holding you back right now, but it is something that defined who you used to be, right? It's that thing that God said, you're already free from it. But maybe it's something that you're still bound by. Write it down. But will you lay it down? It's one thing to write it. It's one thing to talk about it, but we need to lay it down. And when you lay it down, I would encourage you, don't pick it back up when you leave here this morning. Say, God, I am done with this. You paid the price so I don't have to be bound by this anymore. Lay it down. In doing that, you declare that you need Christ more than you need anything else. How many of you need Christ more than you need anything else? More than the air I breathe. As the song plays, write it down. And I invite you, bring it up and lay it across the altar.
says it in that song. I'm taking off my grave clothes. I'm putting on resurrection. I'm putting on righteousness. But he also says, I'm going to sing it. I'm going to say it till I mean it, right? Sometimes when we make these decisions, we're like, oh, I'm going to lay that down, but I'm, I'm just not sure I can. So I'm going to have to keep saying, God, I lay this down. You crucified this. You broke this. You broke the bondage of sin in my life when you died on the cross for me. And so until I mean it, I'm going to keep saying it. And I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning and I'm going to struggle with this again. But guess what? No. It is defeated in Jesus' name. That thing doesn't have power over me in Jesus' name. That thing does not hold me bound any longer because I laid it down. And I refuse to pick it back up. I refuse. So here's the deal. When we lay him down, we say, Jesus, I'm all in. I don't even necessarily know if I know what that means when I say I'm all in, right? I don't know if I know what to do from here on out, but I say, God, I trust you because I know that you know what's best for me. And I know that I cannot do this without you. So before we pray this morning, I have an invitation for you. And that's this. When we lay these things down, when we say, God, you have my life, there's a sacrament or a practice in the church called baptism. That's that next step, right? That's that opportunity for us to take what we have. um, It's the outward expression of the things that God is doing in our life. And we want to give an opportunity for some of you to be baptized. If you have not been baptized in this room, or you say, I just, I need to be baptized. Two weeks from today, we're baptizing. You just need to come up to Jeremy and I after service today and say, I'm in, baptize me. We want to make that happen. We want to celebrate the things that God is doing in our lives. Some of us, God did a work in us decades ago. But you know what? It doesn't mean we're done. We are continual works of Christ through our whole lives. Bow your heads with me. 
God, we come before you this morning. I pray over the things that are laid at this altar. I know that some of these things may have seemed easy. They may be things of our past that we no longer struggle with, but some of the things laid at this altar this morning, God, they're things that seek to destroy us every single day. And I pray that the power of the death on the cross would break the bondage that held us. I pray for freedom for those in this room and those that are watching online who are saying, God, I need to give you this. God, may they give it to you this morning and find freedom in you. And may they declare it again tomorrow and say, until I mean it, I'm going to keep singing it. I'm going to keep saying it. I'm going to keep laying it down. When they're tempted to pick it back up, God, may they choose to not. May they turn their hands over and drop it rather than pick it up this morning. And then the next morning and next week, and next month when no one's necessarily paying attention. Resurrection is not just something that happens on Easter Sunday. Resurrection is something that happens in our life every day. We experience your hope and your love and your being clothed in righteousness because you died on the cross for us, and that is a daily gift. Lord Jesus, I pray your blessings I pray for complete and utter freedom for captives. I pray that we would be clothed in righteousness. Not, not, not righteousness that's like cocky, arrogance, but righteousness that says, God, I am clothed in you. God, we lay these things down this morning and we say, they're yours. And when we turn around and we walk out of here this morning, we have a lighter step because we do not have to carry this bondage anymore. Amen. Stand with me, church. And as I pronounce the blessing over us to send us out into the world, open your hands. Um, as though you're about to receive something. And I want you to notice something. Um, I'm pretty sure most of you have no scars in your wrists from nails on a cross. We are blessed because we have someone who took those scars for us. Church, be that people whose lives have been transformed by the good news of Jesus Christ. Mark talks about it, Matthew, Luke, John, and hundreds and thousands of people ever since have been talking about this and living it out. Church, be the people this week who live out a gospel-centered life. And until we meet again, be blessed and be a blessing.